This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It is Christmas week. Yay. I love it. You know, I'm the Christmas girl. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I hope that you all are planning for a wonderful holiday. And you know what? There might be someone a little lonesome out there. I hope you will see fit to include them, to include them in the love. It's so important to everybody. It's so important for everybody uh, to feel some love at this time. So I want you to, um, I want you, I want you to just, let's reach out to some people. Reach out, as a commercial used to say, reach out, reach out and touch someone. Reach out. Reach out and touch someone. All right, everybody. Let's talk about this Autumn Roberson Manahan case. This young lady, this teenager, who was on track to become the valedictorian of her class, who was uh, taunted by one of her white classmates in particular. He kept calling her the N word, and let's, you know, I wish we couldn't sanitize the N word because she wasn't called the N word. She was called N I G G E R. And when white people hear that, we hear death, we hear threats. It incites fear, and it's designed to do that. And he kept doing that. No one would come to her rescue. That is, no one in authority at the school. No one. And they did it to the other students. But she was a particular target because she was slated to become the valedictorian. So so let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Why was she punished so severely? Why? Let's talk about that, everybody. Let's talk about why she was punished punished so severely. Uh, 45 days, basically, in school jail. In school jail. And this comes amidst all of this information that shows that black children are disproportionately disciplined in the United States. Disciplined more harshly, disciplined more frequently than their white and brown counterparts. Why is that? And it leads to lower grades, lower esteem, lower achievement, on and on and on. We have a tremendous panel of people who are going to be talking about that today. It happens here. Uh, we've gotten reports about Jones Commercial. I'm getting a little feedback. We've, not Jones Commercial, Jones College Prep. In my day, it was Jones Commercial High School. But, of course, now it is one of the highly competitive high schools um, in the city. And it happens all over the place. And we've got to talk about that if my child is not safe. Your child is not safe. Because believe me, the unfairness is coming. So let's get right to it, everybody. We've got a lot to talk about today, starting with the good news in Chicago. We're going to have a high of 28 degrees, mostly cloudy. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 13 degrees. Snow showers. Everybody, Argentina won. That's right. That's right. Over France. But it was in what has been widely touted as the best the greatest soccer game, World Cup game ever seen. And it really was incredible. Indeed, you had the two best teams, the two best players in the world who brought their best and they left it all, left it all on the field. 
Argentina 4, France 2, and the parting is just beginning in Buenos Aires. And so God bless them, and God bless the people of France, because they put up a heck of a fight. It was a tremendous, tremendous, and tremendously successful um, World Cup. Congratulations to all involved. In the NFL, the Eagles 25, the Bears, you're breaking my heart, 20. And the Vikings, well, you're first in your division. You're going to the playoffs. Yay, the Vikings 39, the Colts 36. But check this out in this NBA game. Chicago and Minneapolis were facing off. Get this, the Timberwolves 150, Chicago 126. What a game, everybody. In the NHL, the Wild 4, the Senators 2, and the Rangers 7, and Chicago 1. Cannot wait for Chicago to change the name of that team. Goodness gracious, get over yourselves, everybody. As Border authorities try to prepare for the scheduled lifting of Title 42 this week. Officials in the Rio Grande Valley say they have encountered between 900 and 1,200 migrants during the past daily during the past two weeks. These numbers are reminiscent of the 2019 surge. What are we going to do about this, everybody? We'll be talking about that on the Santita Jackson Show tomorrow. In the meantime, the January 6th committee investigating the 2021 insurrection at the U.S. Capitol is set to make announcements today about criminal referrals to the Justice Department. The panel has weighed criminal referrals for former president, Donald Trump, do you think he's going to get a criminal referral? And what does this mean? Now, you know, Congress's recommendation does not have the teeth. They don't have the ability to put anyone in jail the way, uh, you know, the way the Department of Justice has. But what do you think is going to happen here? Call me. Text me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. I want to hear from you right now. Do you think this is going to result in an indictment of President Trump from the Department of Justice? 773-763-9278. Uh, Elon Musk said he will step down as Twitter CEO. If he's voted out by a poll, he tweeted on Sunday. According to the poll, the option yes won by a margin of 57 to 43 percent, everybody. Now, he'll still be the owner, but he said he'll stop down as, step down as CEO. What will that mean? Will it mean that he'll be calling the shots from behind the scenes? Will it mean that he's going to just step on over? I don't know. Congress just passed an $858 billion military budget, but the GOP is blocking $12 billion to fight child poverty. Think about that, everybody. And those are just some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. We've got Pastor Todd Neary, Douglas Memorial Community Church in Baltimore, Maryland. Of course, he is with Rainbow Push. We need some good news today. Reverend Dr. Todd Neary Esquire will be joining us at the bottom of the hour as we talk about this case of Autumn Roberson Manahan and these black children at the Slayton High School just outside of Lubbock, Texas. It's good to hear your voice. Merry Christmas, Pastor Yeary. Well, good morning, Santita. Merry Christmas to you. I've just got one chant for you at the beginning. Uh, defense, dun, dun, defense, dun, dun. Uh, never mind. One fifty to one twenty-six. Defense went out the window a long time ago. What in the what world? We just fired. We, we are firing up like on the playground. Who's, who's got next the score, for this? I said, "Are you serious right now? What, what happened?" <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I just I just showed up for my check. You want me to play today? Come on, yeah. I'm on. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it, it must have been my kind of game. And 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 the Bears played a, a great game yesterday. I watched that game uh, while I was having brunch, and I'm telling you, there's there's a lot of promise on the horizon. So there's a theme in here somewhere, right? Please don't make your lo- don't make long term projections off of short term experiences. This record, this hardship, as the text will say, is producing a far greater glory that is yet to come. When they get through the draft this year and fill in some pieces, I think as you look down the road, the Bears are going to be dominant in the NFC. You heard it here first. Well, we're I'm waiting. <laughs> it's kind of like the camp for defense. Duh, duh, duh. Never, mind. Never mind. I'm waiting. Let's, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Let's, let's get up. Oh, I got to help Santita out this morning. Come on, y'all. Let's get to it. Good morning, Chicago. Good morning, Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Come on, let's get on with it. Put your feet on the floor. And yes, the weather's changed. The tile is cool, but you'll feel it coming back at you because that's going to be a sign. You are alive. So come on, let's get on with it. Let's get to living today. Get that morning beverage going, that morning Joe, that orange juice. Don't forget to drink that water and take a deep breath. Fill your lungs with L-I-F-E life and let's get ready to change the world. This is the season. This is the season. This is the week. It's such an important week across uh, world religions, particularly uh, in Judaism and Christianity, as, as Hanukkah has begun. It's the celebration of the rededication of the temple after its destruction. And as we recommemorate the uh, birth of Christ and, and the arrival of the presence of God amongst us in human form, this is just a tremendous week. Here's what I want to say to you on today. It's going to be short, but it's going to be sweet that this week reminds us about why we have to take every day and live it to the fullest. We don't have time to get stuck in the temporary conditions, even when they're frustrating, even when they feel devastating, because there's more living to do. Even when you are looking at, at rubble, it does not halt the creativity for you to use your imagination to see yourself in a better place and begin to build it. And so don't look at your conditions and your difficulties in desperation. Use them for inspiration that you might continue to build for yourself a future that starts first in your imagination. Can you see yourself doing that thing that's in your heart to do? Can you see yourself accomplishing that feat that others are saying you can't uh, do uh, on your own? Are you able to see that God is with you? Even when everybody thinks God has abandoned you, this is the week of expectation and rededication so that we can commit ourselves to a better, here it is, 2023. Because on the heels of this week, we're counting down to a fresh start in a new year. And baby, I promise you, after all that we went, we've been through in 2022 and in the pandemic and in the lingering of all of this stuff, it has made you strong. It has tested your resilience. And while some folks would have expect you to be broken by now, all you have done is deepen your commitment because you're celebrating that you're still alive. So go ahead and change the world today with the wind at your back saying, look, if God can bring me through that, I know I can handle this. 
and the best is still yet to come. So go and change the world. I'm rooting for you. I'm celebrating you. You're bad somebody. Now go win and be great today. Amen to that. I love that. I love that. I love that today. I love that today. That's very important. That's very important because it has been a tough, tough few years. (laughs) And it's still tough for people. It's just tough. It's tough. But you know what? We're still here. And that's the beauty of it all. We're still here. As, you know, as, as, (laughs) who is it? Who said that? Albertina Walker. Her song was, I'm still. I'm still here. I'm still here. And it means a lot. Why don't you just very quickly give a word to people? You know, a lot of people, um, a lot of people really struggle in this moment. What what do you yeah. say? I mean, because suicides are up in all of that. Yeah, suicides trend up. Depression trends up. Uh, this is a season where the reminder of loss in the midst of celebration becomes more profound. But when I've done memorials and funerals, I often refer to this text. It's not that we don't go through things. It's not that we don't face difficulties and grieve. It says we don't grieve as those who have no hope. You still have hope. And hope is the drive from within that things are going to get better. And as you you have that drive, you find inner strength to persevere, to overcome, and to see that there is light ahead. Every storm brings clouds. When the storm is over, the sun returns. And so you're going to weather this storm. You're going to be able to get through it, and you don't have to get through it by yourself. This is real important. You do not have to be Superman or Superwoman. Reach out to someone, a therapist, a friend, a colleague, uh, a spiritual leader, somebody that can give you a shoulder to lean on and help you tap into that inner reserve so you can keep going. Because this is just the season, and I believe it. The best is still yet to come. You know, and I want to thank you for that, because as we move into this discussion about Autumn Roberson Manahan, this straight-A student, uh, Reverend Dr. Yeary, straight-A student, and you know when you're in high school and you're a straight-A student and you're looking at becoming the valedictorian, you are the apple of your parents' eye, ideally, and you're the pride of your community. And particularly, uh, and that happens for everyone, but it takes on particular significance in the black community because we, because education was denied us for so long, and this is our path up and out, right? And um, you could see, you know, all the hopes and dreams of a family would be vested in this young, in, the, in this child, and they move to a smaller town. They're hoping that, you know, this will be a nicer environment, nicer than you know, what we've seen up north. So her parents go back to Texas, and and then she's called the N-word. And, you know, and I hate sanitizing that, you know, but if I if I use it, we'll be kicked off the air. But I hate Reverend Dr. Yuri. We hear a threat. When we see the Confederate flag, some people can shrug it off. Black folks say, I got to get out of here because this is a dangerous place for me. I might not make it out alive. When we start driving into uh, wooded areas where we can't see a way out, it's just in the DNA. <laughs> Reverend Dr. Yeary, I remember being in North Carolina when we were in college, visiting my brothers Jesse and Johnny. And you know how college kids, you get in the hatchback and it's about 20, 20 kids in the car. Just You're stupid in college. And we rode down, we were trying to find this place, and we rode down a street that became a road 
that became unpaved. And all these black kids in the car, we said, hey, 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 (laughs) turn this car around. Too many trees, too much darkness. Let's get out of here. (laughs) And I can only imagine the fear that she felt. Um, And I can only imagine how targeted she was as the superstar student. And she was driven driven to the point when they put her in school jail where she had to put on the uniform, the uniform of prisoners. And she's dealing with kids who are truant and who have behavioral problems and who are in a lot of pain themselves. She's never been surrounded by these people. She was driven to the point of suicide, Reverend Dr. Yeary. What does that do to her parents? What does that do to her? What do you do when you're faced with that kind of situation? Oh, well... There, there's a, there's a lot to unpack there, but let's let's kind of ground it in the history, and you you tapped on it uh, just just a bit. Remember, there if you go back and look, there are still laws on the books that have yet to be officially repealed that prohibited the teaching of reading to enslaved persons or their progeny, their children. And there was one law, you mentioned North Carolina. North Carolina's law was particularly egregious in that the punishment for desiring to engage in the educational process, to learn and for anyone that might teach. If you're a white person teaching a black person, the punishment was worse for the student than it was for the teacher because they wanted to kill desire. Mm. So this is an assault on desire. This is an assault on dreams, not just for our our young sister, but for any like her who would dare set a standard of excellence that others have to publicly acknowledge. And so this is an affront uh, to her excellence, but it is also a sign to other students who are the overwhelming uh, other other black students who are the overwhelming minority in this district. And we'll talk more about it. But these are the microaggressions that come up in the education system across the country where you use school resource officers as substitute discipline because uh, we've looked at the data around school discipline and there have been legal changes to the process. So now what do you do when you don't want to handle it as an administration? You treat it like you're a police officer or something like it. And you hear these similarities, like what's going on down in Texas, where she's literally, the language says she was sentenced to 45 days in an alternative school. Sentence based on what? Who sets down this sentence? What's the baseline? What were her rights? What was the due process? All of those things. And at this point, because federal money is involved, the Office of Civil Rights at the Department of Education has to get engaged and maybe even restrict the flow of the money to Texas itself from the federal government until there is a full review of discipline throughout the Texas Department of Education across the state. I would be the first one to call for it, even while there is a lawsuit and litigation pending in the federal courts, because this is beyond egregious. It makes ridiculous seem like a word that is so trite that this is offensive and it is a a reincarnation of old behaviors with a new name. Absolutely. And the and the boy who did this, the young man who did this has not been punished. His parents cannot be found or certainly now the media knows how to chase people down. They know how to do that. 
they know how to make your life a living hell. They've not tried to find this young man's parents. Well, certainly they know where he is, but they're giving him cover like they gave. Uh, what's the young woman who uh, who accused Emmett Till? Oh, whistling Donna. her Carolyn Bryant. Donna. Mm-hmm. Donna. Mm-hmm. 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 Like the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. <clears throat> they are holding her records, her confession right now. Please. Here's, here, here's how you can find if If this were a fight seconds. at school. Yeah, real quick. Everybody in the school knows who was in the fight. Go ask somebody who who got their tail whipped that day for doing something. And I promise you, every kid in the school can tell you. It's probably on a bathroom wall. All you got to do is go read it. So there's an intentional sanitizing. You're right. uh, But we got to get to the bottom of it and get to it quickly. We do. And why don't people know about this case? And what does this case say about American the American school system, particularly as it relates to black children. Black children are four times as likely to be suspended or expelled from school as white children. Why? Is it because they don't know how to behave? No, there's something else going on here. We're going to talk about that. And when you look at this case, you'll see exactly what is going on. Call us at 773-763-9278. I want to hear what your thoughts are. Got to talk about this today, everybody. Back in just a minute on the Santita Jackson Show. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. Call me at 773-763-9278. Let's talk about this Texas teen on track to become valedictorian of her class who was racially taunted by a classmate. The teachers, the administration, no one would stop him from doing it. She finally struck back, physically struck back, and she was put essentially in school jail where she had to put on the uh, the costuming or the uniform of a prisoner. She became suicidal. I mean, it just kept on going. we got to talk about this, everybody. 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. But everyone's concerned about Chappelle's celebrations by us. You're going to be able to complete these orders. Girl, you broke your wrist. First, tell everybody how you're doing. I'm doing well, Santita. I, I really am. Uh, you know, thank God I have an excellent team. Uh, my family has stepped up tremendously to come and help me crank out all these final orders. And, you know, we are still doing it. <laughs> I'm still working. So uh, we are definitely uh, prepping the orders that we have for this week. We have about six orders that we're doing this week. So we'll have them all ready and prepare for delivery on time. So don't hesitate to give us a call, 708-526-4546, 708-526-4546. We are done taking orders for Christmas, but we will definitely be open for New Year's and thereafter. So call us at 708-526-4546. We can handle all of your catering needs as well as also your balloon arches and decor. So don't hesitate to call us, and we look forward to serving you. Thank you so much, Santita. Blessings to you. I think you, we have someone on who you have brought to us, Chaperl. Who is this gentleman? Dr. Byer. Oh, yeah, he is terrific. And I, I'm telling you, I'm going to call you soon, Dr. Byer, because uh, Jasmine needs some help. She's taking her LSAT next month, so she needs some help. But, yes, he's a terrific resource, and he is going to be a great asset to your show today. 
and has been, and is a tremendous educator and a tremendous reformer, someone who really fights for justice for his students and fights for the education of his students, and we're so glad that he's back with us today. Of course, we have got Attorney Daryl Jones, who's given us brilliant overviews of what has happened in this case in Texas, and uh, Reverend Dr. Todd Geary, Esquire, Rainbow Push, and of course, you are the chair of the Transformative Justice Coalition, Attorney Jones, and Rainbow Push again, and the host on his own show, WAOK, just fresh on the heels of it, one to four Eastern Standard Time every Sunday. Robert Patillo, so glad that you're back with us today. Everybody call us at 773-763-9278, 773-763-9278. Let me do a round robin. Uh, I've asked you to do this numerous times, but you do it so well. Give us an overview of what happened to Autumn Roberson Manahan. I mean, taunted for being black, but she was called the N-word. And I think the sanitization of it, Attorney Jones, is just here that when we see the Confederate flag as black people, your defenses go up and you know you got to get out of there. <laughs> because you know da- that's danger. When someone provokes you in that way or seeks to provoke you in that way or throws that word at you, danger is around the corner. What happened to Autumn, Attorney Jones? Yeah, good morning, Santita. You know, young Autumn, she's 17 years old. Uh, she, uh, Her family was living in Ohio and moved to Texas and moved just outside of Lubbock, Texas. And was uh, she was attending Slayton High School, where her parents actually had gone to high school. And when she starts attending Slayton High School, in her first week of school, uh, this the Teachers, as they often do with new students, ask her to stand up and say where she's from, et cetera. And she talks about the neighborhood she's from. And one of the white students then uh, goes over to her and says, I run your block, N-I-G, and, and, and using the word. And from the teacher there, didn't she, correct him. And the teacher did not correct him. And from there, she continues to regularly, almost every day, uh, experience this student and other students uh, using uh, the N-word uh, and addressing her and, and saying things around her uh, within earshot. Well, she's in gym class, and one of the white students, who is also uh, 17 years old, uh, walks by her and is continually calling her the N-word. She tells the student to stop, and he does not. Now, what precedes this is that Autumn had gone to the administrators, to the teachers, uh, at the school and told them what was happening and asked them to have the kid stop. They did nothing. So this time the kid is taunting her in the class and the gym, and he has on his, his hoodie as he's walking by and walking by saying the N-word to her. Finally, she snaps and she's had enough. And she grabs him by the hoodie and begins to smack him. And uh, smacking him, saying, I told you to stop. And, you know, so syllabically, just with every syllable, uh, smacking him in the face to stop calling me this name. And one of the other high school students uh, caught it on their cell phone and released it into social media. From there, what happens is that Autumn uh, is brought to the school. Uh, she and her family are brought to the principal's office, and she's given a 45-day uh, suspension, and she's sent to a disciplinary 
school, an alternative school, the alternative school that she's sent to uh, is a school that is so intense with racism that she realizes what she's getting into and where they are now sending her. They require the students at this alternative school to wear orange jumpsuits every day. Uh, so it, it's more of a camp or a prison or a jail than it is a school. And once she realizes what's going on and what's happening, she runs away from home. After she runs away from home, she then contemplates suicide. She goes from being the valedictorian, the, the projected valedictorian of that class to being a student, uh, to being a patient in a mental hospital. She needs psychiatric care as a result of what she's gone through and what she's experienced at the school and through this experience. So, so now at this point, uh, the ACLU, the NAACP, the Texas Civil Rights Project, uh, and other organizations have filed uh, a, 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 a suit, a federal complaint with the U.S. Education Department on their Office of Civil Rights trying to force the school into some type of compliance for everything that has happened with regard to not only Autumn, but the other 22 black students that also attend that school. So that sort of in an overview, Santita, is what Autumn is experiencing and has experienced uh, up to this point in time. Robert Patillo, what are your thoughts about this? I mean, number one, we're both in media. Well, we're all in media, of course. Uh, attorney uh, Daryl Jones and attorney Robert Arnwine have a show on WOL every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we see you all over the media, all over the globe. This sh- this story hasn't gotten a lot of traction. First, your reaction to the story and uh, the media's characterization of her snapping and the, the corporate media not pursuing his parents. A minor? Okay, I can understand that. You don't pursue them. But the parents, don't you think they should be made to answer for this? Well, absolutely. And I think this is part of the role of having independent black media, because we can't depend on anyone else to tell our stories uh, except for ourselves. We're always going to be put through a a particular lensing, a particular uh, uh, effort to uh, diminish our pain and suffering and uh, uphold white supremacy. Remember, the point of America uh, has always been and will always remain the uh, sustainment of white supremacy. Actually, John Oliver did a great breakdown on the nature of uh, our media and our press system when it comes to uh, African-Americans and law enforcement, that often they end up simply uh, repeating what police officers say, what uh, uh, the government says, what authorities say, quote-unquote, uh, as opposed to doing any sort of investigative journalism. We've now gotten to a cycle where fast is more important than accurate, uh, and when you start slashing newsrooms, slashing news departments, slashing journalists, uh, you, you can't dig down into stories. Uh, in addition to the pairs being pursued, uh, I think that there should be civil suits against the administrators at, the, uh, at that school all the way up to the highest levels. If this happened to this young lady, it's probably happened before. And if nothing is done, it will indeed happen again. We, uh, in America, we do not take the mental health of African Americans seriously. Uh, we don't take the physical health of African Americans seriously when it comes to uh, medical diagnoses. 
Uh, we are over-criminalized. We are over-incarcerated. Uh, and when you talk about it, you have a big chunk of the American media that calls that being woke, that calls that uh, uh, victim mentality. We simply are telling them and trying to make changes to the current societal system that we exist within. Uh, I, I do hope and pray that we are able to get the story of this uh, young lady out uh, to the public. We are able to bring her the type of uh, civil justice, as C.K. often talks about, uh, that is needed to make her whole. But uh, uh, what has to be paramount is helping her survive the trauma, work her way through the trauma that has been uh, placed upon her, uh, and, put in, uh, and put in place the types of policies that will stop this from happening again in the future. Uh, this is an absolutely horrible and tragic situation, and most importantly, it did not have to happen. At any point down the line, before it got to this point, they could have uh, the school or the parents uh, could have put uh, put in place any types of remedial measures that would have uh, prevented this from escalating to this situation. And the fact that this young girl had to take it into her own hands to defend herself because the power should be or not is a true failure in this situation. So, uh, the the in addition to the parents, the entire school system is going to have to reevaluate the policies they have in place. And some people are going to get fired. Some people are going to have to get sued. But justice is going to have to be served this young lady. Amen to that. Dr. Michael Bayer, um, you've been an educator in the Chicago public school system, very highly regarded. Um, you've been a principal. What what happened here? What happened with the teachers? What, I mean, in that classroom when this mm-hmm. when this student her class happened then, and let's just keep on going from there. Yeah, it could have, should have been an immediate intervention. That child should have been um, pulled out into a restorative justice room and received some uh, help and support because that child obviously has some serious issues. Uh, Possibly suspended on his part, um, although suspensions for anybody does not really necessarily work. Um, but that's also been addressed, and the fact that the teacher had not, multiple teachers, it sounds like, did not address the situation, the administration. This is a system failure. And unfortunately, this case, um, it's severe, but it's the tip of the iceberg, right? This is just the tip of the iceberg. This is... Um, endemic throughout our school systems. It doesn't matter what state you're in. You can look at, you know, this Texas town and say it's Texas, but this is in every single state in our country because, as the other guest mentioned, uh, black population, black students are over-criminalized. And we've all heard of the school to prison uh, pipeline, um, and, and we're seeing it right here. Because if uh, Harvard's Kennedy School did a report, did a research, and found that um, if a school has a, a more harsh disciplinary system within the school, those students could have a 15 to 20% higher likelihood of being incarcerated as an adult, right? 15 to 20%. And then if you look at other statistics, like uh, the American Psychological Association found that 26% of black students, a quarter, received at least one suspension for a minor infraction and that's something like a uh, you know, dress code violation, inappropriate language, using a cell phone class. 26% of black students receive a, is one suspension for a minor infraction, whereas just 2% of white students receive a suspension for the same thing. And so there you have it right there. You suspend black students at a much higher rate 
you discipline them much harshly, and their their lives can and will be derailed. And here is a case that is significant, and it's systematic failure. And it needs a complete intervention, and this is the tip of the iceberg, and it needs to be addressed. Every single school and every single district should be forced to publish the rates of suspension of white students, black students, Hispanic, uh, Asian, publish those. Um, How often do you suspend them? What do you suspend them for? Right, Not the names of students, of course. You can anonymize the data, but allow parents. You know, we, we hear all those arguments about parents' rights, and very often it's a it's against uh, diversity uh, instruction in school. Uh, well, every parent has a right. Black parents especially have rights, and they need to know how harshly their local school disciplines students. Are they disciplining black students at a higher rate? And I almost guarantee you they, they are in every school in this country. What's behind that? It's, it's bias. It's racism. It's, it's historic racism. Um, hopefully there is some research that shows that, you know, teachers can be trained. And sadly, if, uh, I saw one report last night, I was doing my homework for the show. And, um, one report showed that if teachers are taught about growth mindset, as opposed to fixed mindset, in other words, if teachers are, um, are taught that, uh, people can grow and learn and change. Um, and then they're also taught something about the child's life. You know, so they have some empathy and understanding for the child. That they're much less likely to discipline and uh, you know tag that child with a harsh, um, uh, you know, you know, coding them in the system in some way more harshly. Uh, so teachers can be trained, but that training has to come from the district. That training has to be intentional, and really, and we see right here, there's really no desire at all in too many of our towns and school districts that they just overlook bias mm. reverend dr yuri you are in baltimore i know you see this but i see we see this writ large here in chicago we see this everywhere when the what should be done we see the naacp has a uh, filed suit um and uh, should the Department of uh, should the Department of Justice get involved? Uh, what should ha- what should be happening now? Well, but you know, even before I even get there, what should be happening in that community, Reverend Doctor Yuri? Well, I think the first thing is that the community has to be made aware of the issue, just like we're having the conversation today, beginning with something happened. Now, what happened? This is now rising to the awareness of folks who have to be stakeholders in the transformation. But I think the other thing that you ask is like, how do you change the systems? Part of this challenge is there was an intentional indifference to the complaint of a student who was being racially terrorized by another student using intimidation. It's bullying. It literally is bullying. And so there's nothing that's been done to really address the climate, the culture, the environment, because the system is actually complicit in facilitating this hostility. And so part of this has to be... Let let, let, let me interrupt you here, because I want to ask you this, and I want to ask the the panel here. Because anti-black racism is not handled the way other forms of bullying against ethnic groups, religious groups, are handled. You know, if... Uh, if you are charged with anti-Semitism, there is hell to pay for that, and there ought to be. 
And you could just keep on going down the list. But black people are told to get over it, Reverend Dr. Yeary. We're not paid attention to. Our parents, when they go to the schools, they're not paid attention to. There's no price to pay for what happened to this child. She's a child. Some people have called her a young woman. I said, not at 17. No, 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 no. She is still under her parents' protection. She is still a She's a child. She's a child. And these adults need to, and, and I cannot believe that we are not, that this is not a big issue. Well, we're talking about anti-Semitism and, and all of these other isms that are poisons in our society. But somehow anti-black racism is not taken seriously, Reverend Dr. Yuri, at all. Yeah, that, a lot of that is grounded in history, right? So if we look at the experiences of formerly enslaved persons and their descendants, uh, the the global trafficking in kidnapped kidnapped African bodies across the world that reinforced a global economy upon which great wealth has been established and now you reinforce it because the the property interest in black bodies because they were held as chattels as property that could be sold and willed is still endemic, right? The ingredient, though it may have moved further down the label, is still in the recipe. And so if we don't ground this in what is often the assault on teaching the real history of race, racism, and the systematic oppression and kidnapping of African bodies across the world, then it it causes folks to kind of say, I don't see what the problem is because they're operating out of a sense of willful ignorance. And if we don't use these cases, then you mentioned something about being 17 years old. Be really clear that if we don't raise the issue in the media, as this moves through a litigation phase, it is highly likely uh, that a lot of these proceedings are going to be sealed because uh, she is a minor, uh, because there are certain interests that have to be protected. And so that's another tool that they'll use to pull this thing back behind the curtain so that nobody really sees what's going to be adjudicated when this issue gets raised and what the school system and the state of Texas are ultimately responsible for because they receive federal dollars to advance public education in the state and that public education system has not only failed in this instance, they have facilitated the very conduct that has led to the emotional antagonism and bullying of a student who is topping her class and has caused great pain and harm to her that cannot be measured at this time because it's ongoing and it's got to be raised. But the media, to Robert Patillo's point, the media, independent media have to be on top of this because at some point, just my suspicion, when these kind of cases come up, there's always an attempt to either secret it away or whitewash it literally so that it ends up being so benign that folks believe it's irrelevant. But, Dr. Bayer, why do we not amen to that? Why do we not? It seems to me that anti-black racism is not taken, doesn't have the same weight as attacks upon other groups do. It just doesn't seem to have it. Well, well, overall, it's just it's normalized part of our society. I mean, you look at uh, the small Texas town, there's a mural in the downtown of um, black farm workers working in the cotton field. And that's painted right in the downtown. It's normalized. And it's when it's normalized, it's like, you know, the, the water and the, and the fish, you know, is swimming in. They don't notice the water. They don't notice the racism. 
Um, we don't notice it in our schools. And when people point it out, you know, white fragility, people say, you're, you're accusing me of being racist, and how dare you? And, and I love, you know, all the kids, and yada, 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 you know, this has been others at a higher rate. And so it's just normalized, and, and people fight like hell against it, against even just talking about it. You know, um, Robert Patillo, anti-black racism is just, it's brushed off. Talk to me. Or is this in my <laughs> well, imagination? That's part of, <laughs> of course it's not your imagination. It's part and parcel of America. It might as well be written into the Constitution of the United States of America. Indeed, the three-fifths compromise uh, could indeed be seen as the uh, or the epitome of that when it comes to America, that we still are not treated as being five-fifths of human beings often, uh, particularly when it uh, comes to believing African Americans, when it comes to taking these uh, these issues seriously. Listen to Reverend Yuri. Uh, I just sometimes imagine that this had been a different group, but this has been a LGBTQ student uh, making these complaints. Would they have taken it more seriously and taken action more quickly? Uh, if it had been a Jewish student, for example, uh, given the current uh, national conversation we're having on anti-Semitism, would they have taken that more seriously and addressed it uh, before this young lady had to have her entire life ruined uh, by the, uh, uh, these racist incidents? And for some reason, uh, there still remains this uh, slavery-era conceptualization that black folks are just supposed to be stronger and more powerful and able to uh, take abuse and uh, and survive through it. No, we are human beings like everyone else and have to be treated as such. And this is why it's so important that we as a community take these issues seriously uh, and really attack them as aggressively as others. I think we've seen in recent weeks uh, the aggressiveness with which other communities defend themselves uh, from any attacks. Uh, you, you saw when Kanye West and uh, others started attacking the Jewish American community they came together as one across party lines. It didn't matter if you were John Stewart on the left or uh, Dennis Prager on the right. They came together to make sure that anti-Semitism was put into its proper place in, uh, in the U.S. And the as African Americans in this country, we have to do the same thing, coming together, holding, uh, holding hands, and holding these folks accountable. Because otherwise, it begins to metastasize. And once it begins to metastasize, uh, then we start seeing these groups like the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers uh, believe that they can get away with it, and that simply spurs on more attacks. You have to have a disproportionate response uh, to these actions in order to dissuade people from taking uh, taking part in them in the future. And this young lady, I think we all need, uh, all organizations need to be wrapping their arms around. Think about how many groups are out here uh, in the name of civil rights and human rights and anti-racism, uh, taking money from people, taking cor- money from corporations and doing not a damn thing with it. I think that it's important that those organizations stand up and actually use their power and their influence and the money they have to defend people like this young girl because the message has to be clearly sent that this will not be tolerated going forward and that there are consequences for such because if they're not consequences you're simply incentivizing Peter. Back in just a minute everybody we're going to have the first African American elected to statewide office Judge Michael Overstreet in Texas and State Representative Ron Reynolds back in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, 
everybody. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show, streaming live on WCPT820.com and AM950radio.com, but coming to you from WCPT, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota, and we have got our Facebook and YouTube audience from all around the world, and you all are weighing in today on this shocking case that came out of Texas, but you shouldn't be shocked. And sadly, you shouldn't be surprised because this is happening every place around the country. There's a UC Berkeley study that shows that black children are four times as likely to be suspended or expelled from school as white kids. And the uh, other studies show the numbers are even higher. What happened to her? We're going to be talking about that uh, with two brilliant Texans. Indeed, the first African-American to be elected to statewide office out of Texas, Judge Michael Overstreet, and the head of the Progressive Caucus in the state legislature is joining us. State Representative Ron Reynolds, he's joining uh, Dr. Michael Bayer, brilliant educator, uh, Reverend Dr. Todd Yeary, lawyer, pastor, Rainbow Push, attorney Robert Patillo, civil rights lawyer, brilliant, Rainbow Push radio host and radio host and civil rights lawyer, brilliant, uh, chair of the Transformative Justice Coalition, attorney Daryl Jones. Let's get to some of these headlines and get to the rest of the show. In Chicago, we're going to have a high of 28 degrees, mostly cloudy. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 13 degrees, snow showers. And Argentina was victorious over France in the World Cup World Cup of Soccer, 4-2. to two. What a game. Many people said, you know what, the two best teams in the world played the best game ever. And it was exciting all the way to the end. Congratulations to Argentina and well played, France. Well played. In the NFL, the Eagles 25, Heartbreaker 20. The Bears, y'all are killing me, killing me. I don't care what you say, Reverend Dr. Yeary. I'm hurt. The Vikings are in first place in the NFC. They are on their way to, um, well, maybe to the Super Bowl, but certainly to the playoffs. 39 to 36 over the Colts for them on Saturday. In the NBA, the Timberwolves and the Bulls. Wow, what happened here? 150 Timberwolves, the Bulls 126. Oh, gosh. I know I shouldn't get emotional when I read these, but that's just heartbreaking. In the NHL, the Wilds 4, and the Senators 2, and the Rangers 7, Chicago 1. At least 36 people on a Hawaiian Airlines flight were injured after their plane encountered severe turbulence on a flight from Phoenix to Honolulu. Everybody, keep those seat belts on. Do not let them go, everybody. A border, as border authorities try to prepare for this influx of migrants after the lifting of Title 42 on Wednesday, officials in the Rio Grande Valley say they have encountered between 900 and 1,200 migrants daily during the past two weeks. These numbers remain reminiscent of the 2019 surge. We're going to see what's going to happen here. Elon Musk says he will step down as Twitter CEO. He'll still be the owner, but he said he'll step down as CEO. If he's voted out by a poll, he tweeted on Sunday, the poll has been closed, but 57% said they want him out. 43% said... They want him to stay in. What do you think is going to happen? And those are just some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. Oh, but let me give you this one. Congress just passed $858 billion in their military budget, but the GOP is blocking $12 billion to fight child poverty. Don't want you to forget that. All right, everybody, let's talk about 
Autumn Roberson Manahan. Uh, what happened with this young lady, this would-be valedictorian of this class, of this school in Slayton, Texas? What happened, everybody? What happened? Why did she snap? Someone with no history of behavioral problems, uh, 17 years of age, on her way to the top of her class. Hmm, maybe that was it. I don't know. We do know that she was called the N-word repeatedly, as have her other black classmates. She asked, and she, they were never corrected by teachers. They were never corrected by administrators. She had no place to turn. Finally, she, as they say, snapped. And she went to the went to the young man, and she wasn't particularly violent. She just grabbed him by his shirt and neck and slapped him and said, do not call me that name anymore. And they put her in an alternative school, which is essentially jail for 45 days. And yet... Uh, this young man and his family have been able to walk away scot-free, and we need to talk about what happened down there and what is going on. What's in the water? <laughs> Call us at 773-763-9278. Let me welcome our newest guest to the show, Judge Michael Overstreet and State Representative Ron Reynolds. Let me start with you, Judge Overstreet. What do you see? I mean, can you bl- I mean, you're a, member of, you're a member of the bar, you're a member of the court. I just, I don't even know what to say. I'm sorry. Okay. I, you know, and I'm from, I'm from the, you know, the nonviolent wing of, of civil rights. And I understand this girl. <laughs> I really do. Oh, okay. Well, good morning, Miss Jackson, and good morning to your audience, uh, wherever you may be. Uh, yes, my name is Morris Overstreet, uh, Judge Morris Overstreet, originally from Amarillo, Texas. And uh, you know, Amarillo is uh, probably less than 120 miles from this uh, rural town of Slayton, Texas, where this incident happened. Um, first thing first, you said it all. One, she was 17 years old. And at 17, uh, a child shouldn't have all of the coping skills to deal with all of the pressures that society uh, puts on them. That's why we have parents. Uh, that's why we have that safety net. You know, the school should be a safety net with uh, administrators, principals, and teachers who have the concern of the students at heart. But this was a school with uh, mostly white administrators, All, as far as I know. And we don't know all of the facts. But we know there were very few African Americans who attended the school. And I make an assumption that uh, there were very few, uh, probably not at all, African-American administrators or teachers at that school. So she was sort of out there by herself. Now, her parents did a great job. As far as we know, her parents approached the school, the teachers, uh, the principals, administration, and tried to get them to deal with it. Obviously, they did not. Um, And so at 17 years of age, she did probably the only thing that she knew to do. Hey, stop doing this. Stop calling me this. Stop making me feel inferior uh, because I am superior. Uh, She's a bright student. And so some say she snapped. She just went physical on this young man. But she was the one who was punished. And from all appearances and from all accounts, nothing was done to him. Uh, It's a shame, but... We're going to do something about it. 
what what can be done? I mean, well, can can her record be? Uh, she, what's going to happen to her? Because now she she's a senior. She's got to apply to college, and she's got to apply to college with this on her record. What well, happens to her? That, that's one of the first things. We're, we're going to take every avenue possible. Um, you know, throughout the struggle of African Americans, there's been litigation and legislation. Legislation to change rules and laws. Litigation to force those who would, won't do right on their own to do right. And so we're going to put pressure on the administration, whatever we can do to get her record cleared, uh, to get that expunged so it won't be there. Uh, we're going to do that. But we're going to put pressure on this school district and those administrators to do something different and make this young lady whole. Hmm. State Representative Ron Wells. Uh, look, amen to that, because that, that is what has yes. to happen. Because she to apply to college with this around her neck is, that is just, it is such an awesome burden. I mean, she would be rejected from college upon that basis alone. Uh, State Representative Reynolds, is this story getting a lot of traction in Texas? And what can be done for this young lady and these other students who have been subject to this same abuse from these students? Well, first of all, good morning. It's great to be back on your show with such uh, great leaders uh, across the country. Uh, Judge Overstreet is a, a longtime mentor of mine when I was a law student. And I was in a TLIP program with, uh, even before that, with, with Commissioner, uh, then Senator Ellis. Uh, he was the only African American, as you said, on the Court of Criminal Appeals. And and he kind of took me under his wings. And when I was in law school near with this incident, uh, I was at Texas Tech Law School in Lubbock. That is uh, the area that, that you just described where this incident took place. Uh, I am outraged. Uh, I am, am currently the chair of the Texas Legislative Black Caucus, and I intend to make sure that we amplify this. No, without your voice and you bringing this to my attention, I didn't even know about it until uh, Commissioner Ellis mentioned it to me yesterday, and I can't believe it. So, yes, we need to elevate this. Hold on, because you, Commissioner Rodney Ellis, Texas Harris County Commissioner, um, you, head of the Black Caucus, Progressive Caucus, you all are two of the biggest elected officials in the state. And you didn't know about this case. It's not your fault. No. I'm just trying no. to find out how is it that you uh, wouldn't know about something this that's important. Right. right. And I that's have to right. Katie Turr from MSNBC. I happened to be watching her show, and I saw this, and I was so appalled. I said, wait a minute. what?" And I thank her for putting this story out here. And I just grabbed it and, and just went with it the next day. Uh, and Commissioner Ellis was traveling. That's why I didn't call him and bring him on. But I'm so glad that you all are here today. Because the I want to thank you. No, I want to thank you. The mainstream media has not uh, put this out front like it should be. We, but but we we're going to amplify it. This is something that we should be speaking truth to power. Uh, we should do this so that not only can we 
correct what happened to this young lady who uh, should never have been subjected to this. This young man created a hostile environment for her to go to school. It should be a safe haven to learn. She was excelling academically. And this person subjected her to mental abuse, bullying, uh, and mental trauma. And so, yes, uh, it should be taken into consideration the extenuating circumstances that led up to uh, her. I don't say, oh, she should be not uh, have any kind of consequences, but the kind of consequence that she received was extreme and outrageous. There, uh, it shows you that, like Judge Overstreet and, and Daryl and other, others know, there are far too many disparities within our criminal justice system uh, that African-Americans uh, are, are treated harshly within uh, our, our justice system, our really injustice system. And this is another example where you have a school district uh, that in Texas, and let me just say, we're the state that was throwing out CRT foolishness, right? Uh, we're the state that fought so diligently, as you mentioned in the opening monologue, why, it, why I was in D.C. taking away voting rights, because African-Americans and Hispanics in Texas, who are the majority in the state, have received the brunt of so many disparities. Uh, and, and they're afraid of the, the majority. They're afraid of the rising African-Americans and Hispanics. And they're trying to take back. They're trying to roll back protections. And you see it in our schools where young black kids are thrown into uh, suspension and in-school suspension. And there's a pipeline from high school to prison, and they, they, they're okay with that. And so we have to be the ones that speak truth to power. We have to be the ones that make sure that we stop this nonsense from continuing to happen on our watch. So I'm thankful that you all brought this to me. Um, we're, I've already uh, sent a note uh, to, to, to that I, that I gave to our executive director to go out to our members that's going out today, and we're going to send a letter uh, to the uh, – TEA uh, commissioner, uh, we're asking for an investigation. We're going to put eyes on, on this incident, and we intend to bring it to light so that there can be some semblance of justice for this young lady, so that there can be uh, a stopgap so that th this doesn't happen to other uh, students in the future. So we're, we're, I'm outraged, but I'm very encouraged that uh, we have people, and, 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 and Gary Bledsoe with the Texas NAACP, uh, we're going to bring him in the loop, and, and any other freedom fighters that want to join our cause uh, so that we can work together collaboratively to, to, to get some semblance of justice for this young lady. Well, you know, as we go into this investigation, it's, it's a relief to hear. Uh, Judge Overstreet, is yes, anything uh, that this young man should be charged, this, this her classmate? Should he be charged with anything? I mean, it seems that well, from, from what, I mean, just a preliminary overview of this case, it seems that he was not punished at all, reprimanded even. I think I, I think that he should. Uh, but let, let's just look at uh, maybe a breakdown in the, uh, in the system. And when I mentioned earlier about litigation and legislation, uh, litigation is designed to make a person whole. And if we have to litigate to make her whole, we're going to litigate to make her whole. I have relatives who live in that town, and I've reached out to them to give me the contact information for her parents and her grandparents so that they will know that help is on the way. Mm. And we're going to do something. When we talk about legislation, 
administrators and teachers ought to be held accountable for actions that happen under their watch. In criminal law, we have the offense of, of parties where you can be held responsible for the conduct of someone else. If you aid, if you assist, if you encourage, and sometimes you can encourage conduct by not preventing conduct. And so if there's a way to charge administrators and teachers in that school, we're going to seek that. We're going to go to the, to the courthouse to seek justice for this young lady. Now, it is obvious that they brought it to their attention, and they did nothing. They did nothing to stop it. They were ineffective. And so in my mind, from a legal sense, that's aiding this young man in doing what he did because they encouraged him by not discouraging him from doing it. So, yes, what can be done? We're going to find out, and they're going to find out. But I just want to reach out to the parents. When I contact them, I'm going to tell them help is on the way. Amen to that. And, 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 Santina, let me add to that. Let me add to that. Uh, one of our uh, freedom fighters that I team up with a lot, Dr. Candace Matthews, uh, who has worked with your father with Rainbow Push uh, and bringing it to, to expand it in Houston and also with uh, the Texas Coalition of Black Democrats. Uh, she was she's listening in and she said, Ron, I'm ready to join you guys. Where, where, where do we when do we meet? And uh, I'm ready to help uh, to, to fight to protect this young lady. So we, we, we already mobilize and we already have people that are ready to uh, join us in this fight. And so, again, thank you for bringing this to our attention because we this should be something that, that should not be uh, some secret. This, this should be widespread. This should be viral. This should be one of those things that everyone is talking about. And so we're about to raise uh, the ante, uh, and we're about to make sure that we mobilize to, to ensure that they know that the state with the largest African-American population in the country, which is Texas, a lot of people don't know that, but it's Texas, that we will not allow this to continue to happen, uh, to see our children continue to be uh, mistreated and, and treated like second-class citizens. So this young lady is going to know pretty soon, uh, starting today, that there's an army of people that are standing by her side, and her and her family don't have to go with this alone. Well, you know, her and her her and her family and and these other children, because now the independent newspaper out of England, they looked at they said it's a body of kids. I mean, all of her classmates, all of her black classmates were subjected to this kind of abuse. She, of course, retaliated or should I say she reacted? I mean, I am reluctant to say that she snapped. But, you know, I don't know what it is, Judge Overstreet. People expect black folks to take this abuse, and we're just supposed to take it. <laughs> and, you know, and then once, well, once we've taken it, you forgive me. You come up in my church and you shoot everybody, but you want me to come to court the next day and, and forgive me. I'm like, are you serious right now? No, and I'm trying to well, be Christian. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Well, but I'm here to tell you, well, wait, Ms. wait, wait, wait. This is a process. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Jack, you know, I, I, I looked at some of your history. And, of course, you know, your father, uh, great civil rights leader. Uh, but I always like to know my audience. That's what good lawyers do. And I know that you were accepted at Harvard and had some issues there with, with the thought processes of other people uh, because they, had pre they really prejudged you 
based on your father's activity, which they didn't necessarily like. And you ended up going to Harvard, where I'm no, sure no, you had a very... No, I started I mean, Howard, to Howard, Howard, Howard. I, yeah. I, w- I applied to Harvard because I was a merit scholar, and they and Yale right. and all the other top schools called me, and my father said, I just I think it's important for me to say, Judge Overstreet, right. my mm-hmm. father saw me throwing out their letters, because I already had a full scholarship to Howard and Spelman. And that's all my mother asked me to do when I went to college, because my father lived under threat of assassination. She said, I need you to be able to pay for college. I said, okay, finish at, finish at the top of your class at the top school in the city. Great. Okay. I got the scholarship to Howard and Spelman. I was good. My father said, I want you to have the option of going to Harvard, Yale. Just apply to both of those places. That's all. So right. Howard was not like second tier for me. It was first tier. Just had to say <laughs> One minute, though, it goes to you. I, just, I had to say that. But but we, we have to uh, seek a, a good environment for all of our children. You know, when it says it takes a whole village uh, to raise a child, that's what we really need. And what happened to Miss Manhattan, Autumn Manhattan, in Slayton, oh, Texas? Is, is it Manhattan? Yes, it was uh, okay. really interesting. Yes. Okay. Well, I just looked at the article, but anyway, what happened to this young lady um, is probably not uncommon and probably happens to thousands of our young African-American males and female students all over the United States. And sometimes when you feel like you're helpless, you feel like you're hopeless and you don't know where to go um, and just try to ride it out. Um, I know Slayton. I've been to Slayton. Um, I'm outraged, just like uh, Representative Reynolds uh, is outraged by this conduct and lack of action. And I just hope that maybe through the legislative process, we can put pressure by law on administrators to do something to those who perpetuate crime. And I'm like you. I'm not willing to say this young lady snapped. I'm not willing to say that. All she did was she reacted in a situation that was probably uh, consistent with her age and maturity. Well, hold, hold um, that thought. Hold that thought. I got, I've got a hard break. Yeah, she didn't snap. Snap implies that she went crazy. No, she didn't go crazy. Correct. No. She, no, she, she didn't do that. Back in just a moment on the Santita Jackson Show. We can change the world, change the world, change the world. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show, 773-763-9278. Many of you are surprised uh, by this story about young um, Autumn Roberson Manahan, uh, the would-be valedictorian who'd been called the N-word, she and her classmates. Let's not isolate her because they, she was not alone, but she felt alone because she was called the N-word in, and I guess we would call it division, in, in her homeroom. And the teacher did nothing, said nothing. This guy said, teacher said nothing. Tacitly giving permission to everybody else to have open season on this girl and these black kids at this school. And we've got to talk about it. Judge Morris Overstreet, uh, first African-American elected to statewide office in the great Republic of Texas. 
uh, State Representative Ron Reynolds. I um, want to thank you. And, of course, we have got Attorney Daryl Jones, Transformative Justice Coalition, partnered with Attorney Barbara Arnwine. Uh, we've got um, Dr. Excuse me, Reverend Dr. Todd Yeary, Rainbow Push, pastor of the iconic Douglas Memorial uh, Church, Community Church in uh, Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, Attorney Robert Patillo, civil rights lawyer, Rainbow Push, host of his own show on WAOK, uh, as is, uh, and you, of course, you and Attorney Arnwine host your own show on WOL Radio in Washington, D.C. Um, but Attorney Jones, you had a question for uh, Judge Overstreet. Yeah, thank you, Santita. You know, one of the things with Autumn and everything that she was experiencing at the school is just so so heavy, you know, psychologically that she's gone through, and you know, as well as the other students. And while we talk about you know, uh, you know, helping her and getting out to her, I, I just wonder, Judge, how do you heal the psychological scars that this young lady has now experienced? And you know, she's gone through so much that has driven her to, you know, mental health therapy. How do you begin to heal those psychological scars so she can continue to prosper educationally and and throughout life? Well, obviously, she's going to need some counseling and she's going to need some professional help. Now, I I want to point out that uh, there was a Senate bill signed in 19, no, excuse me, 2017, September 1st, Senate Bill 179, that really applies to this situation. It's called David's Law. It relates to harassment, bullying, cyberbullying of a public school student or a minor, and encouraging certain mental health programs uh, for public school students. And so we have to make sure that the school who did this, the school who allowed this, uh, provide the resources to help heal Autumn. Um, this applies to every school in Texas. It's called David's Law, uh, after a young man who had been bullied and things of that nature. But that's how you do it. Uh, Autumn has to know that there are people who care. Autumn's parents have to know that there are people who care and are willing to help uh, and to stand in the gap for the parents. Not only Autumn's parents, but the parents of all of the students who attended that school. And you're right, Ms. Jackson. Autumn was not the only one. She was just the only one who reacted that way. Uh, Because it seems like, from what we know, that this young man was unrelenting uh, in his bullying and his harassment of Autumn. And she did everything right. He did everything wrong, but she is the one who is being punished, and he's the one who's being rewarded. There's something wrong with that picture, and you don't have to be a genius to figure out what's wrong with that picture. Also, if you've lived in America, we know why that picture is the way that it is. Well, you know, but I think it's key to say she did everything right. She went to the authorities, to the authoritative figures in in the classroom. I mean, first of all, I would have been so shocked if someone called me the N-word in my classroom. And I would have been shocked that my parents, I mean, that that the teacher did not react to it. Like, oh, my goodness, where am I? And I know that she and these other black children felt absolutely naked and vulnerable. 
And that is what's so heartbreaking, State Representative Reynolds, that these kids were walking around in that school feeling physically, mentally, emotionally, and academically unsafe. Because this kind of harassment does things to your mind. It makes you, you achieve less. And when you, and, and then, you know, you are the one who you're four times more likely to be suspended or expelled from school. So that already, it puts you on a downward spiral. And I just, and I believe she was targeted because she was, she and still is a stellar student. Wait, and I, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I just want to say this, that there is also an escalating rise in suicide among black students. Yes. And let's not get be lost on the fact that this incident and similar incidents lead to the rising incidence of suicide among students. And it used to be an anomaly with an African-American student committing suicide. And now uh, in the post-COVID, it, those numbers have went up exponentially. And so this incident could have ended tragically by her taking her life. Uh, that's how serious it is. And that's how we have to take it serious because you don't know what how a student's going to handle that type of bullying. And it could impact their grades, their self-esteem, mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, Like, you know, Judge Overstreet said she needs counseling. The the emotional trauma, that the stigma, being stigmatized, uh, being outcast as a as inferior or a second class citizen, even though she was excelling academically, uh, she could feel that well, this wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have been out front. So maybe I need to, I don't need to be so smart, you know, or I don't need to be this. So who knows? But. She never should have been subjected to any of it, nor should these other African-American students. There could be a pattern, a practice, and a culture of racism and discrimination uh, that's lurking at this at this campus, at this school. And the teachers turned a black eye. They're complicit. They're, they're, they're equally responsible if they turn a, a blind eye to what is happening to her and her her, her her classmates. So all of them have uh I'm gonna use an extreme word, blood on their hands, uh, from 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 this young man who who, who probably uh this was learned behavior from, from his parents. So so yeah, we, we, we gotta step in the gap and be the villagers uh that are willing to come in and help these other students and and, and, and these Making sure these teachers and administrators, everyone who failed her, uh, is 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 held responsible. I don't think your language is is extreme. She did plan to kill herself at seventeen. Being a top student, I've been there. You hold that is your identity, and to see the pride in my parents, in my father's voice when he called the house, when he looked in the newspaper and saw my name on the national merit finalist list I'll never forget that as long as I live and he said oh my god Malcolm and Martin did a, didn't get a chance to see this I, I can't believe then that's my own personal experience and the he said you know the fact that you've done so well means that your brothers and your sister you've set the pace for them so if anything happens to me I'll rest easy that's what this girl is, li- is living with. Mm-hmm. And, and, well, and, yeah. and Judge Overstreet is just heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. That they would try to break her spirit in this way. 
and they're going to pay. Um, you know, and I, I want to call upon Representative Reynolds to do what he can legislatively because the law that uh, that was passed, and he was a member of the legislature then, um, it encourages school districts to establish a district-wide policy related to public bullying prevention and mediation um, and reporting of these incidents. And so we're going to, that it, the, the word should be, it doesn't, it, it shouldn't encourage school districts. It should require school districts to establish a district-wide policy relating. And so maybe we can amend that law. Mm-hmm. Say instead of encourage, it's a mandatory requirement that school districts establish a district-wide policy related to bullying, prevention, and mediation. Um, when you have laws on the books, <laughs> like I said, it's litigation and legislation. Uh, if we need to amend the law, let's amend the law. I mean, Reverend Dr. Yuri, what role does the church have in all of this? Because you've got some of the biggest black preachers in the country who are in Texas. Many of them, I'm not going to hold them to account because so if 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 Congress if if Commissioner Ellis didn't know, if state representative um Reynolds didn't know, if Judge Overstreet didn't know about this case, <laughs> who knows about this yeah. case? Yeah. One, first it's good to be on with Judge Overstreet and Rep Reynolds and I have been working on a couple of issues inside the Texas State Department of Education. Uh Alvin Independent School District has a number of issues in terms of its treatment of uh, black students, particularly those with special needs. There's something endemic uh, inside the the Texas education system and how the state manages the uh, responsibility to provide equal access to education for all of its students. But to Judge Overstreet's point about litigation and legislation, that is this moment. That's exactly where we are. And so the church's role, the faith leader's role is not just amplification, but mobilization, because between elections, which is often where we see a lot of engagement around getting folks to vote for certain candidates, is then we have to provide the inspiration by our presence when school board meeting is happening, when city councils are meeting, when the legislature's in session and their hearings on bills that when faith leaders show up at the meeting, and you don't have to even have anything on the agenda, your very presence is going to change the tone, the tenor, and the outcome of the process because what they don't want to see is black preachers, black people of faith, interfaith communities coming and sitting out, watching what they do in the room where it happens. Because what Judge Overstreet would have to enforce would be the outcome of what's done in the rooms where Representative Reynolds participates in that process. And if they don't have the cover of the community, making sure that there are eyes and ears protecting the process, then we're going to continue to get short shrift in terms of how these policies are first uh, created and then also how they're enforced. So in this moment, it is, all right, when's the next school board meeting? And let's go to the school board meeting in Slayton, Texas, and book the superintendent and the school board members in the eyes and ask them, what you doing about this? And if you go, I promise you, cameras are coming with you because they want to see what y'all talk about. And public meetings are open, so we get to have a forward-looking, 
forthright conversation about what are you doing to make sure that every student's right to an uninhibited access to education is actually going forward, and how do we stop victim blaming? We cannot make autumn the one ultimately responsible for the hostility she had to endure while trying to keep her grades up, trying to keep her head focused, trying to graduate from school, trying to do all of these things. And now we want to say that you're the one. And the word that's used in the press is quite telling. She's sentenced to 45 days in an alternative school. It carries with it a punitive act that ultimately she and she alone is ultimately responsible for what has happened here. And so faith leaders, go ahead, put your collars on, wear your robes if you have to, but put the school board meeting on your agenda, on your calendar for the week, and just show up and watch how quickly things are going to change. Because you do need street heat. I mean, judge over street. Because the fact is, she's been criminalized. She was sentenced to this alternative, mm-hmm. alternative school. I mean, to a school for truants, for troubled children, who many of whom are violent, and who were put there because they were violent. She has been criminalized. And I mean, and to go from being this top student to that in an instant has got to be mind-blowing. But to see the, the, the whole community is complicit, Judge Overstreet. Well, so we need uh, legislation and we need education <laughs> because everybody is in this. Okay. I'm just looking at the calendar. I just pulled this up on the... Uh on the internet, you know, this internet sometimes can be pretty fantastic. Yes. Uh, the regular board meetings are scheduled for 7 p.m. on the second Tuesday of each month. Now, I guess we've missed that that, that opportunity in December. Uh, but they've got another meeting coming up, a school board meeting on January 10th, 2023 at 7 p.m. Uh, there in Slayton, Texas. Uh, and I think what has to happen is we have to have a presence at that meeting. In fact, we have to write the uh, uh, president, all of the school board members, uh, and I'm sure their names are public because I'll find them. You know, you can't hide with this Internet now. Uh, (laughs) Can't hide and let every board of trustee member know what happened, and we want them to address it. And we want them to publicly put out their uh, their policy about anti-bullying based on the law that's in effect right now. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna call them out. That's that's right. what we have well, to do. You know, we'll be covering it. No question. I mean, Robert Patillo, what role does the corporate media have? And does corporate media, independent media, what should be happening well, now? Well, we're gonna give you we're gonna give you something to cover. <laughs> I promise you that. <laughs> you're gonna have, yeah, we're gonna have you're gonna have something to cover. And I think okay. that's exactly it, that we have to make sure we're using every corridor possible. Uh, so that includes social media, making sure we get the get a hashtag out there flowing, that we are going to Black Talk Radio, which is still one of the most powerful voices in the black community, uh, social media influencers, et cetera. Um, because it's always interesting to me, folks get uh, an attitude with you until you show up with a, a trending topic on Twitter, and all of a sudden they want to make changes. So we're going to have to work together on this, but I think we can make real social change. Amen to that. Oh, yeah. Amen to that. And I well, hope that he will, I, you will be on his show 
which is on WALK, okay. of course, the iconic radio station down in Atlanta. Um, and, of course, attorney Daryl Jones with attorney Barbara Arnwine there on WOL tomorrow at 12 noon. We just have to put the story out there, Judge Overstreet. We really do. Well, I, I think so. I just looked up these board members, and lo and behold, they have one African-American member on there, Gabriel Johnson. And then they have a young white man, Justin Martin, Irma Camarillo, Jaime Diaz, Carlos Betancourt is president, Kara Newcomb is vice president, and Greg Schilling is the secretary. We're going to see how they like their names in the newspaper. <laughs> oh yeah. Boy. In fact, I'm going to draft, I'm going to draft a letter today to all seven of them and make what them aware ever. of this if they're not aware. Whatever Put them on notice. we can do. Put them on notice. Whatever we can do, I'm going to connect you to Reverend, to Reverend Jackson, to my father when we get off the air. Uh, you by and any means necessary. Oh, I'm, look, I mean it because this is happening all over the country to our children. This is one mm-hmm. example, State Representative Reynolds, one example. But we cannot let this stand. And we have to call media out for not reporting this story. Had I not been watching Katie Turr last week, I would not have known about this story. It's just it's been hidden in the bowels, State Representative Reynolds. I mean, anytime you, you didn't know about it. I mean, what is that? No, no, no. I, I was shocked when it, when to Mr. Ellis told me yesterday. I said, what are you talking about? And he said it to me. I said, wow, this was going on? In our own backyard, you know, uh, I, you know, they 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 sure buried this story. So I, I was really appalled and, and and just grateful that 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 he told me about it, so that I could, you know, be engaged. Uh, and so this is a microcosm of what happens all over uh, uh, the country, and more particularly, you know, in in, in Texas school districts. So, uh, you know. Judge Overstreet read what the law is, but we know the law is only uh, good if, if it's followed, right? I mean, in terms of legislation. So mm-hmm. this could be one of those deals where they said, well, you know, no one's enforcing it. There's no accountability. There's no teeth. And that's why, you know, I'm happy to work with, you know, individuals that are on this, you know, on this, uh, uh, this call this morning, uh, because we, we're, 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 we're the ones that have to be on the front line mm-hmm. and, 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 and defending those vulnerable people, um, like this young lady who, who should be in the, uh, the, the, the best part of her life. You know, you, you're a senior, you're, you're optimistic about your future, you're young, you, you know, you shouldn't be dealing with this crap. You know, I mean, it's bad enough they have to deal with, you know, school potentials, gun violence. Uh, and, and this is just another layer uh, uh, that this young lady had to, to deal with. So uh, I'm, I'm equipped, I'm armed, and, and I'm joining in with, with each and every one of you and, and others who, who already uh, volunteered to help, like Dr. Matthews and, and, and others who are like-minded. And, and we're going to make sure that we work with the clergy and, and the faith-based community as well to amplify this, uh, to make sure that, 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 that the the school uh, district knows 
that there's a whole army of folks across the state and, you know, with this call across, across the, country. the country that are watching, that are watching, you know. Well, I mean, because, you know, the fact is, Judge Overstreet, I mean, I've got about a couple minutes before we go, before we go off the air here, but we're going to continue on Facebook Live if you can stay with me just for a few more minutes. Uh, the fact is, whenever you share this story with anybody from all over the country, number one, it resonates. You're not surprised, right. but you are appalled. You are outraged. Because this is happening to our children routinely. Routinely. And anti-black racism in particular, there is not a price that people pay for that. You can pick, you can't mess with any other group, but there's open season on black people. And for black people, first, that must be unacceptable. You cannot allow people to mistreat you this way. You are somebody. You do not deserve this, and you should not take this. This child, Autumn, is not crazy. She did not snap. She was pushed beyond the break. She had to do something, because when someone calls you and you know it, you know it. When I see the Confederate flag, I know there's a problem and I need to get out of there. I know I don't need to sit up in that dining room. I know, Judge Overstreet, I got to go. Yeah, you got to go. And uh, I go. I've got one minute. For you. Well, you know, you know how if uh, if you put, turn a light on, if the roaches on the floor, they start scattering. Um, we're going to put the light on these roaches. We're going to put the light on them. Uh, And it's going to be a hot light. It's going to be a bright light. And it's going to be on them until they go. And we're going to put the school board on notice, each one of the trustees. We're going to put the superintendent on notice. We're going to put the principal on notice. I'm going to talk to those parents and uh, get their consent uh, to intervene on her behalf. And no, this, we're going to use. We're going to. No, this is interesting because I want you to stay with me just on the other side of the, on the other side of this as we go on to Facebook Live because Marlene Balden has said that Autumn would sit during the Pledge of Allegiance, and that may have had an effect on the teachers who may have taken it personally as a rebellion against them. Number one in America, you can't have it both ways, Marlene. You can't have freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, all these freedoms that we are supposed to have. And then object to people if they refuse to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. If they kneel while we are singing the national anthem, which is not as old as the founding of the, as the Republic is. You can't have it all ways. We're supposed to have the freedom to do that. In America, you're supposed to have the freedom to do these things. If she sat, why don't you ask her why she sat? If that, in fact, is true. Why? Well, um, you know, usually when you are doing the Pledge of Allegiance, you're looking at the flag. And so unless Autumn was up there, yeah, unless Autumn was up there next to the flag, I don't know how they saw her. They should have been looking at the flag anyway. How about that? That's what I told told one of my coaches. He said, you know, uh, you didn't uh, place your hand over your heart when they sang the national anthem. And I said, well, coach, I wasn't up there next to the flag. So how did you see me? You should have been looking at the flag yourself. (laughs) 